Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. So, we've got a question for you. Do you remember anything about what your life was like before you became a human being? Do you recall being in heaven or being on a different reality prior to coming down and know what your purpose is? I can tell you firsthand, I do not. Matter of fact, I don't remember what happened five minutes ago. I don't even know who I am right now. Apparently it's Ryan because I have my name written down somewhere. Anyway, we have a person on our show tonight. Her name is Miss Diane Brandon. She's written this new book where she's interviewed several people who do remember what their lives were like prior to becoming a human being. And we go to different places and we find out why some people are coming here. Some people, I guess, are coming on Earth to uh, heal the planet, supposedly, to, to have a good experience or to push some kind of evolution down. I have no idea why you're here, why I'm here. I just figure that we're here. Let's have a good time. Let's enjoy uh, our, our time here. Let's have fun. The Outer Limits of Tooth Radio Show proudly presents an introspective interview with Miss Diane Brandon. Our guest today on the Outer Limits of Tooth Radio Show is Miss Diane Brandon. She's an author, speaker, teacher, intuitive. She's also, also author of an upcoming book called Born Aware, Stories and Insights from Those Spiritually Aware Since Birth. You can learn more about Ms. Brandon by going to your website at dianebrandon.com. Ms. Brandon, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you, Ryan. I am pleased to be with you. Thank you. So when did you realize that you had special abilities and the ability to perceive reality different than others? Oh, <laughs> that took many, many, many years, Ryan. I didn't even know that I was intuitive until I started working with my intuition about 25 years ago. Um as as my book is about, I've always remembered what I thought when I was born, but I didn't know that that was unusual. I mean, you just didn't talk about those things. Um, so I, I've come to realize that in the past maybe 10 years, that, that those of us with these memories, you know, with these memories from birth, are a little unusual. We, we tend to be hybrids. We have a foot on the other side because we, most of us remember coming from there and, and we're forced to have a foot here uh, while, we're, while we're here on this planet. Well, I'm wondering how does that impede or greater fulfill a soul's journey having the memory of not being from here or, or not being from here? Because some people, like most people, I guess they, they, they think this is the only reality. They don't have a memory of a past lifetime, so... Having that memory, how does that, you know, impede or you know, greater fulfill a purpose? Well, I feel, Ryan, that, that being born aware or spiritually aware since birth has both advantages and disadvantages. And there are a lot of downsides because we tend to feel alone. We're very homesick. I didn't want to be here. And, and a lot of times we can feel isolated or, or, or weird. But on the other hand, when I think about possibly living my life without the spiritual awareness, without the spiritual memories that I have, I would rather be this way. And on a higher level, actually some of us, and, and, and in my book, Born Aware, it's not just my account, but it's the account of about 16 people who also have these memories, we tend to... Not all of us, but some of us tend to feel that we're here on assignment. And and when I realized back in whenever it was 2014 that I was 
being asked, spiritually asked to, to write a book like this because two people independently of each other shared their memories with me, whereas nobody else ever had. When I embarked on that journey, I didn't know what I would find. I didn't know what this book would be about. But I came as I did, as I interviewed people. Number one, I was just absolutely entranced by the information other people were sharing. So what was some me. of the most compelling information that you found? Like some of the main points or things that you, in your interviews, that really stuck out in your mind? Like, oh my God. Well, number one, that there are other people out there who have these memories and that we have a lot of attributes in common. Um, we, we tend to feel like we're strangers in a strange land here. And, and it's interesting because different born awares will have a different set of memories. For example, you know, some people have a memory of living on other planets and other solar systems. Um, some people, you know, we tend to remember, naturally remember, spontaneously remember some of our past or other lives. So, um, you know, it depends on, on where one is coming from as to, as to how one receives this information. You know, some people may go, oh, so what? And, and others may go, oh, wow, you know, that's different. But I was struck by the similarities and, and that a lot of us have different pieces of the overall puzzle. So in the book, I was also able to go into some of the lessons in, inherent in this phenomenon. And I personally feel that those of us with these memories have been allowed to have them because of what it can teach to others. So what are some of these that it can teach to others? Is that what, you're not here alone, that this is part of a greater purpose? What, what, what do you think of some of the lessons? Well, that's number one, that the other side or what we call the afterlife or other side definitely exists because some of us remember it. Um, I've always remembered being with God. Um, and, and, and another important insight, and this is not necessarily spiritual, but it's important for MDs and hospital personnel and for parents, is that babies can be very, very aware. They don't have what doctors think is a baby brain that, that they can't think, they can't perceive. And so that has implications for what you say in the delivery room and what you say around babies. Um, I think it also speaks to what is possible. It speaks to having a direct access spiritually because those of us, at least the people I interviewed, tend to have a direct connection to whatever we want to call it, whether we call it spirit, the divine, God, source, whatever we want to call it. Um, we all tend to feel very spiritually protected. Um, we tend to have the conscious awareness that we're here for some reason, even if learning about what that is is still unfolding. I also go in the book into what I call the greater drama and what is allowed because one insight is that on the other side, you know, in the Christian tradition, people talk about heaven and you have judgment day and yep. some people go to heaven and some people go to hell. Well, I'm definitely going to hell. I want to let you know. <laughs> and I cannot wait to get there, actually, because that's, that's where all the bad girls go. <laughs> okay, Brian. <laughs> 
But, you know, those of us, you know, I know that there are different levels on the other side. And so maybe some people on some levels on the other side have a physical form. But what I remember is on a different level where there's no physical form. It's all energy. And the implication for here is that there are levels to existence. There are levels to our mind. We have our human persona, the human side can be fraught with problems. And then we have our higher soul awareness and that we're actually, there's a drama going on on this planet that we're all playing roles in. We're encoded with the plan for our lives energetically before we come in. So it gets very, very, you know, complex and there are other little, little, you know, little lessons and implications. But, you know, in writing the book, I realized, hey, this isn't, isn't just about, hey, here are some people who remember what they thought when they were born. It's, it's also about what we can learn from the phenomenon. And I talk about the higher soul awareness in, in the book, and that's the awareness we have when we're not here. And we can learn how to groom that for ourselves. I, I go into that in, in the book as well. There are also implications for the environment. One woman in the book remembers before she came in, she remembers choosing her parents, and she remembers being shown the planet and that the information was given to her that she was coming in this lifetime because of the planet and whether the planet would be healthy because she could tell that industry and chemicals were really having a negative impact on the planet. And she knew that was why she was coming in this time and she could see all these other souls who were coming in for that reason. So they're all coming in to, to raise awareness, but at this point, does Earth really, would Earth really need human beings to save itself? I mean, I figure that Earth could just pull into its experience, its consciousness, a meteorite. I mean, it took out the dinosaurs. Obviously, the dinosaurs really got on Earth's bad side, and I can't imagine that human beings are probably much worse than the dinosaurs. I mean, the dinosaurs, they weren't starting industries. They weren't slaughtering or harvesting other animals for, for needless consumption. I figure that at any species, humans are probably going to be on Earth's worst side. So why can't Earth just take care of it itself? What does it need other human beings to come in and do? And how, theoretically speaking, how can these other human beings, unless they are taking the soul or becoming part of the soul group of the elite people that run these industries and change their minds, how could they do that? What impact are they, theoretically speaking, going to have on the planet? Um, even if well, they I think that's an excellent question, Ryan, and I think I think it has to do not just with the health of the planet, but where humanity is headed with awareness and consciousness. And if you think back over the past 100-some years, we have had a, a seeding of of a new of, of new awareness in humans. I won't say a a new one. I think it's various ones. And, and some of that has come about through technology because of medical technology and people having near-death experiences. So I think this is, it, yes, it's about the planet most definitely, and it's about humans, the, the humanity moving forward in awareness. And, and, and if humans don't, then they may not be on this planet. I, I had a friend back <laughs> 20 years ago, say to me, oh, I'm so concerned about the planet. You know, will the planet be here? And I said, the planet will be here. We don't know what form it will be and how healthy it will be, but humans may not be here. And, and humans are just, 
you know, I don't like being here as a human. Humans have all these problems and issues. So and why did you fighting. come here? Why did you, I, I'm trying to figure out why I came here. I think that my higher self was drunk as hell. And my higher self was at the <laughs> higher self. Hey, you know, I, I dare you to become a human. And my higher self took it on a dare. Now I'm here. So I don't know. Why did you come here? Did you talk well, to I was, I, was, I was told to come here. Really? I mean, basically, God said, you know, you're going you're gonna to go. And this is one of the things that I remembered when I was born. I, I, I did not want to be here, but I knew I had to be because there was something I was supposed to do. I thought it had to do with performing. So I pursued acting and singing for years until this work came along. But no, I mean, you know, conscious awareness of being here on assignment and and somebody said to me, well, you could have said no. And I'm, I said, no, you don't exactly say no. Why so you say some, no? you don't. When you have a supreme being <laughs> telling you to do something, you go, okay. Okay, I'll you do see, it. If a, I want to get to that point where I want to confront that supreme being and say, listen, you have no right to tell me what I should and should not be doing. And I want to tell you this, that it may come as a shock, but I really don't have a, a great profound love and admiration for the quote-unquote God that supposedly runs the universe. Because I feel that whatever things are, the way things are right now, I feel it could be done better. And as George Carlin would say, I think that the planet right now is kind of run by a fifth-level temp. That if things were really going to be at a certain point, that this is not the work of a supreme being. And I believe that. I, I believe that. And I don't know. I mean, there's got to be some I, other I, way around I, I, get that, Ryan. Yep. I get that. But as I said, you know, there are levels of existence. And on on this level, the human level, yeah, it's terrible. It stinks. And, and humans are a very flawed species. But, you know, a lot of people talk about one of the reasons why humans are here is to learn and grow and unfold, which is why we have duality on this planet. And, yeah, a lot of it stinks, and we've all been through really, really difficult experiences. And, and sometimes we go, okay, I'm stronger, enough already. But that's, that's the human level. Human, human perspective and human awareness is extremely limited. There are other levels of existence, and there are other planets. I had somebody tell me the other day that that beings on on other planets, not necessarily in the solar system, you know, have, regard Earth as extremely primitive, and the humans as extremely <laughs> primitive. It's it's like it's like you know you're you're in uh, you're having to do all these drills. You're in boot camp here. But but on a higher perspective, when you zoom out, you know, the astronauts, when they first went into space, got that wonderful perspective of looking at the planet as the great blue marble and, and realized how insignificant humans are and individuals are. And so there's a grander perspective than that. So we're like a drop in the ocean when it comes to the whole entire cosmos and what all of that is about. So, um, yeah, being here stinks. Well, I don't know. I'm going to say this. I'm not going to say it necessarily stinks. I, I, I'm not going to say fully off because you have to say there have been some really wonderful, amazing experiences in my life that I'm so thankful for. I mean, I have to say I love – I'm totally nuts about my family. I'm so thankful for them. But, you know, there's some other things that are crazy. But if you look at humanity – and you, you see all the internal problems, chaos it has. 
It's set against a background on a planet with a beautiful ecosystem that seems to have a self-correcting ecosystem to itself. It seems that yes, all yes. the things are in harmony, and yet here we are in chaos. And I, I just would wonder and think that with humans on a planet that is so totally in balance and so harmonious that we would kind of – that energy would rub off on us in some capacity. Well, there have been, been fluctuations. Things have ebbed and flowed over the eons. I mean, you know – that it was said that Atlantis was was a very advanced civilization until their technology got, you know, out of whack and did them in. You know, are we repeating that cycle? I I don't think so. I always tend to be more optimistic. Mm-hmm. Now, with regard to, to the person in the book, the other born aware who who saw that before she came in, I asked her. I said, Did you did you know that you would be successful in 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 the planet healing or 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 not and she said yes so we are at a very critical juncture here and I, one of the things i think is going on ryan is that we're getting lessons these days in in screwed up human psychology Okay. For example, our personal stuff, our fears, our mindsets, our beliefs. And and look at denial. I think we're seeing that played out more and more publicly these days. So I feel that that's going on, too. And I'm sure you've also heard about the paradigm shift. You know so, what? I've, I've heard about that, but I've also squashed it a little bit. I think that if there's going to be a paradigm shift, it's going to have to be worked for. We're going to have to earn it. And if the paradigm shift does happen against us, I think it's going to be an, um, a global economic collapse. We focus on that as well. But how do you see the, the paradigm shift? Well, I feel like we're smack in the middle of it now. Okay. And, of course, when you're talking about a massive paradigm shift, it doesn't, doesn't happen overnight. It's not an on-off switch. And, actually, when I had my radio show, I interviewed one expert who had studied periods in history where there had been massive paradigm shifts and he thought at that point that we were right at the phase before more people got it. What I personally feel is going on now is we're seeing the reaction from those still stuck in the old paradigm. And I guess if you think about it, this was probably a necessary part of that process. But, no, I I feel that we are inexorably moving forward. It just doesn't seem fast enough. I feel the same way about moving past it, but I would like to know from your perspective, what do you see as moving forward? What do you see as the point A, which is the past, to point B, which is the future? Where do you, what would you describe that in the paradigm shift, collectively speaking, about humanity? Well, when we talk about the paradigm shift as it's been written about and described, it's, it's moving into the age of Aquarius with, you know, humane values coming to the fore more. What what I look at is is kind of a shift from, and, and I'm going back a long time, from an orientation that is more tribal, where where we associate with and are nice to people who are like us, kind of the us versus them. And if people are not part of our tribe, they are the strangers, and maybe we'll have wars. I feel that we're we're moving from that, and this goes back to what I mentioned a little while ago about the seeding, to to more people having their orientation shift to past even national orientation, past, okay, I'm a woman, you're a man, to 
more of a global one. Okay, and this is intermediate. I don't feel like it's the final final step. So that we orient ourselves more to being citizens of this planet. But I feel like what we're ultimately moving towards is what I would call a more universal consciousness, okay. which which is not like I am human, I am in this human body, but it is a consciousness and awareness that we're connected with everything. Doesn't matter which planet or solar system you come from, doesn't matter whether you're a human or an animal. That's where I feel that we're ultimately headed. Well, that's, that's wonderful. I hope we do get there. And I say, you know, like they, my country, the U.S., they say that uh, people in that part of the land are, are bad people. And I think anyone who wants to offer a hand of friendship and come in peace, I accept their handship in front of peace. I don't care where they're from. Oh, yes. I guess, but, and that's one thing that the born awares tend to yeah. also have is we tend to remember that interconnection on the other side that, that, I mean, and it's not this cognitive belief, okay, everyone and everything is connected. We remember it. We remember it. And, and we look for our, 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 everybody as part of us here. Uh, Diane, I think that what you just said makes a lot of sense. It seems very common. If you walk into a room and people from all different places, they seem to to get along. So I almost feel like what you just said, it seems completely possible and very simplistic. But I think there are a couple of things that are stopping this from happening. And unless they are addressed or taken out of the picture, I don't think we're ever going to get there. And that couple of things, you have a something called the military industrial complex, which is war oh, yes. for profit. And that has only gotten progressively bigger. It hasn't wasn't here 200 years ago, but I think that's the core of this current paradigm. Also, you have organized religion. And I don't care how many people say, oh, all the world religions are great. I don't think so. I think that anything that divides a human being or implies that a human being is above another human being is the is a cause of disaster. And until you have that, until you have people universally seeing each other as equals, then we're probably going to get there. But I think with organized religion and the military-industrial complex, you can forget this vision of coming true. I just don't see it happening. Am well, and, and actually, actually in the book, when I interview people, I ask for their view of organized religion. And, um, you know, just how they felt about organized religion. And, and, and there were varying degrees of, of emotional intensity in, in the answers. Sure. But kind of the, the universal feeling is that, you know, as long as it's not dividing people, it's okay. But, but, but it's the, the healthiest, strongest thing you can do is have a direct connection, not go through an intermediary. Um, so, so yeah, there, there, there are pros and cons there. And, of course, with the, the military-industrial complex, we were talking about that back in the 60s. Jeez, I mean, what can you, you can't do anything about that. I don't know. I mean, it has to be some kind of, like, massive electromagnetic pulse that maybe shuts the, the world back. Do you ever, did they, they ever talk about that at all? Did they ever see an EMP coming on Earth that would basically fry all the circuits and we had to go back and try You know, I, I, I didn't ask that, and I'm realizing, you know, since I wrote the book, there were all these other parts of this little little topic areas that that I could get into but but yeah one one person actually feels that extraterrestrials will not only appear to individuals but actually will will make themselves known to everybody on this planet and that that would probably wake some people up okay 
Uh, you know, you said maybe that would wake someone up, but I'm wondering if that would actually have a very negative consequence where it would replace one form of religion with another form of religion. It would teach people that, okay, these are people that are above us. They're saviors, and we're going to let them do the heavy lifting. I almost feel it would cause the one Well, let's hope, let's hope that would not be the effect. But, but again, you know, I feel that we have been inching forward in awareness, and if I just consider – how many more people have become more aware since, let's say, the mid-90s? So there, there is, it is going on. It's just I feel that we're seeing the reaction of those entrenched in the old thinking. And who was it? T.S. Eliot wrote, this, this, the, the center cannot, cannot, cannot hold. I, I feel like it's going to implode. I feel like that's what we're seeing going on externally now. So um, I, I am not going to extrapolate from what I see going on at present into the future because I feel that it's an aberration. It's, it's a reaction. But, but we'll see. <laughs> I have a question about organized religion. I don't know if you've talked to anyone about this or you yourself have been said, but why do the religions all say that money is the root of all evil and yet they ask for money as collection baskets. Isn't that a little hypocritical? Absolutely, and that goes back to what I touched upon earlier, Ryan, with with the human psyche and and denial. And and I feel that we're at a point in time when when that is gradually shifting, because it's absolutely hypocritical. It is absolutely an example of being in denial. Um, and unfortunately, I personally feel we see a lot of that in the world these days. But, but again, that to me is, is part of what is going to be shifting because it's just – it's pathetic. Anybody with a good left brain who is logical can see through that. I still don't understand. I understand how it's able to stand the test of time. We're in an information age, and yet we're relying on things that have happened from people who didn't even believe that the world, uh, you know, revolved around the sun. So I find I find it amazingly perplexing that these values, and these belief systems, have stood the test of time, despite all the other things that are out there, and despite people having firsthand experiences. I mean. I think that to deny the organized religion is not to deny spiritual, but it may be to seek out other spiritual experiences. You can think you can be completely spiritual, have mm -hmm. an awareness without you know, having to sit there and listen to somebody who's never been dead tell you about what's going to happen to you when you die. Absolutely. But I, I, just, I just see all of this shifting. And why hasn't it happened yet? Because if you think about it, Ryan, in the past – Approximately 60 years, we have gone through a lot of changes if you just look at this country. Because of technology, you know, we have all these little luxuries. Our lives are much easier, and I feel like that has put the focus on us and what we want. Um, I, I think... I, I think the human psyche with with the denial and, and the problems has been going on a long time. I think what has been more recent is that more people are working, quote-unquote, on their issues, on clearing and healing. So um, I think in some ways we have gone backwards. And if you consider astrology at all, you know, one astrologer back in December 2015 said that there had been a 30-plus year cycle between Saturn and Pluto that ushered in this phase beginning in the 
early 80s of of greed and corruption and that where Saturn moved in December of 2015 was going to be reversing that cycle gradually and that we would see a return to ethics and a concern for others, less materialism, and that we would also see exposés of corruption. You know, so something I just personally feel there are a lot of different contributing factors to what we've seen. Plus, we have science with with people wanting wanting to play with their new toys. All the toxic chemicals that have been introduced since the '60s, most of which have not been studied for combined and cumulative exposures. I did a lot of of of, of um, material concerning that on my radio show. I feel okay. like I got a PhD in that. <laughs> oh, well, the uh, sport consciousness. You know what? I wanted to bring to your attention a study, uh, an article by a gentleman named Dr. David Hamilton. He says, mm-hmm. can your brain distinguish real from imaginary? And his point is that your brain cannot distinguish between what it imagines and what actual reality has happened. So, absolutely. Absolutely but I, true. But I want to bring the – so you've interviewed these individuals who've told you about things that have happened previously prior to the life incarnation, is there any possibility that this information that they have attained could be part of something that they saw or experienced uh, through visual interpretation by reading a book or by listening to it when they were younger? How, how, what is the certainty in knowing that their stories are authentic, and what are some of the ways that you've been able to use to tell if the story is authentic? Well, and, and that's an excellent question, Thank Ryan. You. Thank you. That's an excellent question. And, of course, you know, one cannot in any sort of scientific methodology prove that this is, that this is real. All I can tell you is I was very careful in, in asking pre-interview questions to weed out people who, who did not really have these memories. And there's a difference between being an adult and thinking that you remember something that could have been influenced by something, you know, out of fiction. And those of us who have never forgotten what we thought when we were born, you know, that's that's the difference. Um, I have certainly never forgotten what I thought when I was born. Um, and I was a brat. You know, because I didn't want to be here the, the first few years of my life. I remembered as I was Jeez. writing the book, I pretended, I, I thought, okay, I'm not really living my life. I've already lived it, and I'm seeing, I'm sitting in a room watching it being projected on the screen, and I realized in writing the book that that was my way of trying to pretend that I wasn't here. But, but this is different. I mean, it's different when you have always remembered something from all of a sudden as an adult, it comes in. And, and that Dr. Hamilton is correct because I've been reading a lot about neuroscience in the past 12 to 15 years because of intuition, because of working with my intuition and trying to understand what it was. And whenever we think of something or imagine something, it has the same effect on the brain as actually doing it physically. What would be three things that you would recommend people to do to pour gasoline on their intuition? To, well, let's say, I mean, increase it dramatically. Well, the first is is to start meditating because that is when really getting intuitive information, you almost have to prime the pump and be in the right state of consciousness. 
And the method I use, I call tuning in, and that's the method that I teach to others, which is, you know, quasi-meditative. So it's very important to develop, to, to develop the skill of meditating and being able at will to go into a deeper level of consciousness, not, not a real deep one, but a, but a little deeper. I would, I would say, secondly, pay attention to what goes on in your mind when you're doing routine habits, um, brushing your teeth, jogging, whatever. And I would also say, number three, we have to believe that, that intuition can be real. But, but the trickiest thing about intuitive information is to get your personal stuff out of the way because it can, it can contaminate information so that the information you get is, is not really intuitive. But um, as I've researched it over the years, intuition, I call it a complex phenomenon. It's not just one thing. It's several different things. And we all have different forms of it because it comes in many, many different forms. I would also say if people will really get enough sleep <laughs> and, <laughs> and pay attention to their dreams because we're spoken to, not all the time, no, I should say not every dream, but we often get intuitive information in the sleeping and dreaming state, not always just in dreams, but sometimes just in, even in the deeper levels of sleep. So there, there, are different, there are different things you can do. I mean, that was my, what my second book was, you know, was Intuition for Beginners. Um, we all have it. It's, it's a natural ability. It's lying there in potentiality. I do not believe in saying, okay, you need to turn off your left brain. Don't be logical. I believe <laughs> that it, it serves the purpose. Develop both and, and get the hemispheres to work together. So... Um, in, in my book, Intuition for Beginners, I have a lot of recommendations for that, and I have exercises in there. So, yeah, um, we can all grow. We can all unfold. We don't have to stay stuck where we are. And the funny thing is, as I've gotten into these different topic areas, my third book was about dream interpretation. It keeps going back to work on your personal stuff. Clear your personal stuff so that you can go to that higher level of consciousness, what I call the higher soul awareness. So, um, yeah, we're a very flawed species. Oh, I don't like being a human. Well, there's some things. Yeah, I originally really love food. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. That, you know, that's how I know my wife is very intuitive because she knows no matter what, when I'm eating, she'll wake up in the middle of the sleep saying, I know you're not to refrigerate. I'm like, how do you know? She's like, I feel you. And she'll call me during the day. She's like, you're eating, aren't you? I'm like, yes. I'm like, how do you know? She goes, because it's, it's, it's an hour of the day. You're always eating, she said. But, you know, really, Ryan, when two people are close, whether it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship, you know, it can be, family relationship or energy fields get entwined. So that's how we often are picking up, even if it's unconsciously, on what other people are up to or something, you know, wrong. Yeah. Our energy fields get entwined. I guess so. And, I, and I, I tell her all the time, she thinks I'm psychic a little bit because I tell her all the time, she goes, you're mad at me about something, aren't you? She's like, well, how do you know? She's like, because we're married. <laughs> always something wrong. <laughs> always, <laughs> always doing something wrong. When it comes to the meditation, I'd like to just uh, kind of give you a hypothetical visual for one second. 
if a human being or human brain is only capable of pulling in in the human form X amount of energy, so let's say 100 watts of energy, when you're mm-hmm. meditating, how do you um, utilize that energy that's coming into you? I mean, how do you maximize that energy? Can you reach a point where you only are able to pull in this much energy, and if you push yourself to pull in more energy through the meditation, could you, theoretically speaking, shut yourself down and be less aware and be less you know, conscious? I would say that that is a possibility, Ryan. Um, the thing to remember is is frequently when we're in a meditative state, we are in a receptive mode. It's not an active mode. It's a receptive mode. And depending on the type of meditation, depending upon, you know, what is experienced, you know, I would say one has to be somewhat careful. But I've never, when when I have done... I use guided meditation. When I have done individualized guided meditation for others over the years, it's only been a couple of times where where people have um, been uncomfortable. You know, one person tapped into uh, an incident from childhood that was really, really painful. So, yeah, you have to you have to be be careful. But there are always little little methodologies to use to to pull yourself out, so to speak. Um, and, you know, when one initially starts meditating, it, it may be good to to not try to do that by yourself, but but have somebody teach you, you know, or guide you through it. There's got to be a, a different species. One click over, and we're going to get it right. I don't, I don't know. I wonder if we're a Frankenstein for the universe. In one well, you know what I have wondered <laughs> is if... if humanity does move forward in its consciousness, which I feel it will, then then where will souls go for soul growth? Because it's been said that this planet is a schoolhouse. Well, it's wouldn't you think that they could learn the lessons in, in a different way? I mean, some people learn lessons through pain. Some people learn things lessons through pleasant uh, experiences. Oh, 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 sure. And 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 one person said. You know, she knew in coming here she could get a lot more soul growth. I mean, you you get soul growth on the other side, too. But you could get a lot more here. But, yeah, we learn in all sorts of different ways. Absolutely. But, um, you know, this is this is the way it's set up. But, but who knows if that will change in the future. But if it does, maybe there will be another planet somewhere that's like Earth that's a little schoolhouse. Maybe, but, Dan, I don't understand this. I, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this idea. Like, why would you want to come to Earth to learn these painful lessons? Because you can learn more here. But yet you're an eternal being, so you're not going anywhere at any time for the rest of eternity. Why not space these lessons out for a number of series of lifetimes? I mean, this idea that you have to go through the pain, I think it's crazy. And I always feel like, you know, if we're really evolved beings, we should be able to have a midlife talk with our higher self, you know, just the same way you do a job review with your boss and say, listen, is this working out? Is this not working out? We should all have the opportunity. And but the we're, idea that we're like, not evolved beings. No, I think, we, I think we can be. We can reach that point. We've got well, to figure yeah, out a way to get there. That's, but that's the whole purpose of living different lives in different forms in different places is it's for the soul growth. It's 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 all those experiences that enrich the soul. But no, when we start off, we are not evolved beings. You know, we're we're simplistic. You know, maybe we're like a little amoeba or something, or ancient ancient 
life forms on this planet, but 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 the soul growth comes through the different incarnations as well as the stuff we do on, on the other side when we're not here. Um, Have you gotten the impression that I guess the one of the ideas that being here is the idea of putting more of your spirit within the human body, having the soul take over the animal instincts and becoming more within spirit within a, um, I guess, a contrast of an animalistic instinct by being human? Well, actually, I think a lot of animals are more evolved than humans. Too, especially dogs. Um, yes. I think, yes. Uh, well, you find, you find in different animal species, you find altruism. You find a sense of justice and fair play. Mark Beckoff has done a lot of research on that. You know, I, I interviewed him a few times. But, but you find that. I mean, we tend to think of, you know, the beast. It's a lower form of being. But the more research that's being done on animals, I mean, they have all of these ways of perceiving that we don't. For example, bees can perceive in ultraviolet. Um, so they have all these different sensing mechanisms. Actually, cetaceans are more altruistic than humans are because uh, they have more spindle cells, you know, in their brains. So, um, I, again, I think it goes back to you know, experiencing as much as possible. You know, I, I would like to be a dog. I'd like to be a horse, and I'm sure I have been. This is tough. I'm curious. Have you gotten any um, insights from those, the individual you talked with about the next, about, about what potential next human being, uh, next level of existence is beyond humans? Because sometimes I, we've talked on our show and, and we've heard from people that some of these I, extraterrestrial type beings are human beings of the future and they're all like buggy eyed and stuff like that like is there any kind of like existence where we retain uh, the compassion the kindness and we're just in better looking bodies and we're, we're not dealing with the death all the time I was wondering if there's that, that one little click over where we could have this beautiful surreal type life that we envision on this planet and, and I'm sure there are I'm sure there are we don't necessarily remember them while we're here. You know, some people, again, you know, some of the born awares do remember, you know, from birth, you know, living living as other beings. But, yes, it's just that, you know, unfortunately, if you don't have memories like that, you have an amnesia about being anything other than human. Being, you know, being human is is very encasing and and limited, you know, in perception. And it could be too that, you know, life on another planet in another life form where it's very enjoyable, you also have that limited perspective because you might not be getting as much of the experience in that life if you could remember others. Just like those of us born aware are less here than, than people who don't have these memories because, you know, we feel like we're in exile here. Did you ever talk to anyone who talked about some of the prophecy or some of the events they saw happening on Earth? Because, you know, we, on our program we talked about this idea that, okay, well, human consciousness is never set in stone. It can always change. We can always change mm-hmm. the shape of our mm-hmm. future. But I'm wondering, like, okay, well, we can change the shape, but are, are there some events that are destined to happen, things that, okay, well, this is definitely – going to happen because this needs to help humanity get to this point. You cannot languish and waddle in this puddle forever. There is going to be a major change coming, and that's kind of set in stone. Did you ever get any intuition like that or, or feelings like that from your own experiences and the people you talk with? 
Well, you know, I've spoken to many, many people, you know, since I've been doing the the intuitive counseling. And, um, yes, some people get information like that about the future. Um, I am not convinced that we can know 100% what will happen because that could theoretically change our experiences in the present. So one woman in my book uh, remembers what she calls a dystopian life in the future. You know, that was that was um, so, so con- was that is that when Donald Trump becomes president? Wait a second. Oh, my God. It's here. <laughs> Unfortunately, that already I'm happened. Kidding. But no, she came she came into this time, uh, lifetime remembering that that future life and and felt that that's one of the reasons why she's here this time is to try to work with people, teach people so that we can avoid that other one in the future. I, what's this dystopia like? I mean, does dystopia describe what people don't talk to each other? They look at their phones all day. They're they're addicted to you know pain medicines and. I don't know what what does everything everything's laid out so you have theoretically the things that you would want. I mean, your survival needs are met, your food, but there is no again, there's no contrast factor, and there's not a lot of free will. It's almost like a totally totalitarian, you know. I see that happening. I see that right now. I see that already here. Well, why do you think sales of The Handmaid's Tale and 1984 have been increasing in the past year? (laughs) Because people, they're they're aware of that. They're aware of that. But um, I wonder if they know the way out. Uh, You know, sometimes people are saying, okay, we're aware of this tyranny, but do they they know what true freedom is? And I'm concerned that a lot of people aren't aware of true freedom. I mean, even myself, I want to know more freedom and want to experience it. But it's still uh, – you have to work for it. I think you have to really know it and, and feel it. don't know if the human beings are at that point. Do you see uh, true freedom being rediscovered? And if it isn't right now, what would you think it would take for freedom, love, compassion to grip the uh, world by storm? Well, you know, I'm going to go back to what we talked about with the paradigm shift. I feel that we are moving – towards more of an awareness of, of interconnection and and being more humane and less focus on me, me, me and what I can get from myself to the detriment of other people or the planet or animals. Um, how long that will take, I, I, I wish I knew, but I feel that despite appearances at the present time, that's the direction that we're headed in. Um, and it almost feels to me like we're going to have to reach some sort of critical mass. Um, one one person in the book, you know, works with quantum jumps, you know, where you have these quantum jumps in, in reality. I think it's going to be very interesting to see where things are in 2025 and 2029 in that time period. Because even astrologically, we've been in, in this uh, this one period with Pluto going through Capricorn, which is tearing apart existing structures so that new and better ones can be built. And that transit ends in around 2024. So I I just think it's going to be very interesting to see in that time period, or we could say in all of the 20s, but I think especially between 2025 and 2029 where things are. 
And uh, just want to ask you, in your experience, in your growth and evolution, are there any authors that have really impacted you or are there any teachers that have come across your life that have helped you to, to grow and evolve that are in the physical form? Oh, yes. Yes, and, and on my website, you know, I, I actually have a page, Recommended Books. Actually, it's several pages, um, Recommended Books. So there are just many, many you know, that I could recommend. I, I want to go back and reread the Seth material that I re read back in the 70s, the, the Jane Roberts Seth material. That was advanced material. Um, and, of course, you know, I've read everything, you know, Edgar Casey and, you know, all of that. Um, I, I personally feel reading some of that material, if if you're not aware, can help to open you up. But But when you are more aware and when you have opened the door the more that you can do experientially i think i think leads you even more into we'll call it new thought i mean that is a phrase that that's used these days but you know for myself it was actually grad school when i went to grad school at at UNC you know in in chapel hill that experience just you know, really got me out of that that cultural conditioning and allowed me to perceive more objectively. So, um, yeah, I'm a firm believer in, in in books and what good teachers have to say. And again, you know, on my website, I've I've got some books that I recommend. Yeah, this is right on um, your website. Is it Diane Diane Brandon .net? It's dianebrandon.com. It is it is being redesigned. So, if you go there in the next few days, you'll get the old website, and hopefully, the redesign will be in effect. You know, by by early next week. But um, yeah, I've had the same design since like 1996. So, I guess it needs a little facelift. But yeah, I have I have recommended books on there. Um, I think it's important, Ryan, for us to get out of the box that our thinking is in. You know, and and it may be safe for people to have, you know be in that little box, but you know what I have seen is if we open up our awareness, if we work on healing and clearing our personal stuff, our experience of life improves. It just it just improves. Excellent. Miss Diane Brandon, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And you can learn more about Miss Diane Brandon by going to her website at dianebrandon.com. Her new book coming out is called Born Aware, Stories and Insights from Those Spiritually Aware Since Birth. Miss Brandon, it was a real pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of the Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our incredible guest, Miss Diane Brandon. And special thanks, as always, to her virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Caza, and Miss Constance Tellis. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and fears. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. 
Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com. 